just thanks for this morning. Lord, thank you for the ways that you speak. Lord, we need you. And it's astonishing. I find myself week over week forgetting just how much I need you. So, Lord, thanks for a reminder. Thank you for a family to, to gather together with and be reminded by. Thank you for your word, which continually points us back to you. Would you help us to trust you, um, that you know what you're talking about, that you care. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, church, and welcome, neighbors. I'm glad to be together with you. Um, we have been going through a series that we've called Signal in the Static. And if you've not picked up on where that imagery kind of comes from, then I think it's going to be clear to you this morning um, as we begin to wrap up. Um, if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles. We're just going to dive right in real quick because there's a couple of things to cover. And if I try to introduce it, I'll, I'll steal the thunder. So um, if you'd open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 8. And if you're using the blue Bibles, these are tucked under the chairs in front of you, or there should be one nearby. It's on page 669, 669. In the blue Bibles, Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. So at the beginning here of this, of this message, which is actually the end of our series, we see a picture of, uh, of, of wisdom crying out in the streets. Does not wisdom call, does not wisdom, or not understanding raise her voice. Uh, I don't know about you, but I live in a world that is just kind of full of noise. There's a lot of things that are reaching out for our attention. Um, there's a lot of advertisements that are trying to point us in different directions. There are uh, a lot of YouTube uh, black hole, spiral, doom scrolling things that we can get sucked into. And so in a world that's full of all this noise, um, we see here in the text that there is a signal in the static that, uh, I mean, we're kind of all older. I think we all remember like television sets and, and the rabbit ears and trying to tune into like a station and the difficulty of that. Um, no, Ashley, like maybe you saw it on TV. It happens in Stranger Things, right? Like everything in the 80s happened in Stranger Things, which I don't, I don't condone watching. Anyway, I'll move on. Um, so 
there's, there's, there's all this static that's coming through, and yet there also is a signal. There's something to listen to. There's a voice of truth crying out and saying, hey, like, grab hold of this. Like, this is, this is life. Everything else is trying to lead you in a certain direction, but there's a voice calling out through the static in the noise in the midst of that that's just saying, hey, no, 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 I will give you life. Choose me better rather than choice silver or gold. Like, my ways are the ways to life. And, like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I need a good reminder that amidst all the noise, there is a truth on which I can build my life, and it can be sure and steadfast and lasting. Um, I need that reminder. Um, wisdom is pictured in the streets. I'm going to skip a couple of things here. Wisdom's pictured in the streets as somebody who's, who's, who's calling out, but does she call? Like, as I, as I describe the world, I think that for, for me, anyway, as I try to, like, write these things down and try to think through how you might hear what it is that I'm saying, I'm like, okay, yeah, like, like I get your, your, the way that you painted the picture of the world being full of static, and, like, there's all these noises and all these voices that are trying to pull me in a thousand different directions. Like, yes, I identify with that, but I'm not so sure that I hear the voice of wisdom crying out in all of that. Like, it seems like even people that call themselves Christians, like, they're saying the opposite things. And, like, I don't know who to listen to, and I don't know where to turn, and it seems, like, confusing. Like, how do I make a choice when I've got, when I can go online and find a blog post to support the decision I want to make and the one that I think is not a good choice? Like, I can, I can, I can support any choice I want to make, so how do I know that I'm walking in wisdom? Is she actually out there? Does she actually cry out? Is, is it actually, like, something that is, is tangible? Now, what I find interesting about chapter 8, and we're going to go through chapters 8 and 9 together, is, is up until this point, as we've gone through these first uh, chapters of the book of Proverbs, there have just kind of been extended discourses, the longer talks about specific topics. And then after chapter 9, it's going to go off into like, like uh, proverb, proverbial Twitter, like where it's just a tweet, a tweet, a tweet, a tweet, a tweet, and they're not related to each other, and they may not, you know, whatever, which is cool. We'll talk about that in a minute. But like for here, we're ending the opening section, like this long discourse. All of these chapters are designed to hang together, which is kind of why we've talked about all of them together. And, and it closes with this picture of wisdom crying out in the streets. And what's interesting is we've, where has all the instruction, if you've been following along with us, where has all the instruction come from up until this point? What's, what's the picture? A passing on of wisdom from whom to whom? A father to the son. Yeah, so we've, we've had this picture over and over of my son, hear my words, hear my wisdom, listen to my instruction. And here, if you notice, the father hands the mic to wisdom herself. I've been describing this lady to you. Like, I've been talking her up. Like, I've been doing a great job doing advertising and telling you everything that you ought to believe about this lady. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give her the microphone, and I'm going to let her speak for herself. And so in verse 4, she takes the mic, and she begins to speak. To you, O man, I call. And my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools. Learn sense. Here, for I will speak noble things, and, and, and from my lips will come what is right. My mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. I'm not going to lie. All the words of my mouth are righteousness. I'm, I'm going to point you towards right choices. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. I'm not trying to fool you. They're, they're all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Wisdom takes the mic and says, if you need me, I'm here. 
I'm not hiding. I'm here. There's a, there is a signal in the stack. And if you want to hear a voice that's going to point you towards making right choices, it's there. It's discernible. Not only that, like, buy in. <laughs> like, better investment than crypto is wisdom. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, which, which is not to say that like we can't, if we're going to follow the way of wisdom that we're not going to have silver and we're not going to have gold. Like if we go through the rest of the book, we'll see that oftentimes if we live a, life, a wise life, one of the results of that is a, is a degree of prosperity and a, and a degree of a way to live generously. But, but, that's, but we don't pursue wisdom to get gold because then we're pursuing gold by way of wisdom and we've missed the whole thing. There's an order to it. Seek me. Cling to me. I am a good investment. Desire wisdom. It's kind of bold. Like, it's been a long time since I've, like, been in the dating game. Um, I started dating Jessie when I was 13, and, like, she's the only girlfriend I really ever had. So, like, I've never dated anybody ever as an adult. But I'm reading this, and I'm going, like, that's bold. I'm it, and you ought to desire me. Like, there's, there's, there's no, like, proposition that I can imagine in any kind of bar where I'm like, hey, you need to get to know me. And yet wisdom's like, hey, th- I'm it. Like, you, yeah, you can talk to any other girl, but, like, I'm the one you want. There's a confidence there. Verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign. By, and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule. And nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me. Enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold. And my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness and the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Living a right life means being in an appropriate relationship with the creator. So I dwell with prudence and find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is the, is the beginning of knowledge, is what we talked about. And this starts in chapter 1. It's repeated a couple times. He's going to repeat it again. She's going to repeat it again in the next chapter 2, that if, if, we don't, if we try to live in the world as though God doesn't exist, then the world doesn't actually work the way God made for it to work. The, the Creator did not design the world to point to Him. Like, it just does by a fact that it was derived from Him, Right? Do you get what I'm saying? I don't have to design it so that it points back to me because I designed it. It already does. I've put my fingerprints on it. It works the way that I meant for it to. And when we tend to try to look at the world as though God doesn't exist, there's, there's something that doesn't add up in the calculus. There's, there's a function that isn't operating right. The, the spreadsheet, there, there's an error in the cell somewhere. I... I say that hypothetically. My dad was the accountant. I don't actually know how those things work. I've seen it happen. But I'm saying, like, when we try to operate in the world as though God doesn't exist, it doesn't, it doesn't work right. We don't get the, the result that we feel like we ought to get. And so wisdom is there saying, like, I'm here if you need me. The world is not as it was meant to be. But Jesus leads us in the way of life. 
I fear the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech. Wisdom says, hey, I'm here if you need me. I welcome the fools and the simple and uh, the ignorant. Like, I, I welcome these people. And, and, and in my head, I'm like, okay, good. Like, I can get into this club. Like, this, the bar is low enough for me to get to spend time with wisdom. But um, that doesn't mean that there isn't any standard. So she's welcoming to any who comes in, but she's also saying, like, hey, I've got some standards here. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Like, just, like just because I welcome you doesn't mean that I am just going to give a seal of approval to everything that you've been doing. I'm going to lead you and guide you and direct you in a way. Unqualified affirmation is not unconditional love. I spent a lot of time kind of crafting that sentence, and, and I, I, I think it's necessary. I will repeat it. Here we go. Uh, unqualified affirmation is not unconditional love. Unconditional love is regardless of what's going on, I am going to lay down my life to do what's best for you and what's going to give you the most life. But if I'm looking at you in a situation that's killing you, that doesn't mean that I'm going to affirm the situation that's killing you. Unqualified affirmation is not unconditional love. And the heartbreaking thing is we, we, we speak with people that if you don't unqualified uh, affirm me in what I'm doing, then you must not love me. And they're not the same. And it seems like splitting hairs. And I feel like I can probably get some support on a Sunday morning from people that are kind of on the same page. But then when we live it out, like when you've got to, when you've got to live out this principle on Wednesday, it's harder to walk out. How do we love people well when we can't affirm unqualified where they're going? How do we live in that tension? We, we love wisdom. Wisdom, if we love wisdom, wisdom loves us. She leads us on. And she'll lead us to what we need, not necessarily what we want, which is a principle that's pretty easy to see like in kids. Like, it's not okay to live off of Lucky Charms. They're magically delicious, but the magic will kill you. We, can't, we cannot live on sugar alone. And, and wisdom leads us to what we need, not necessarily to what we want. But, but wisdom is attainable. You know, it, and I've, I've said it before, James chapter 1 and verses 5 and 6, it says, hey, if you, if you lack wisdom, ask God, because he's going to give it to you. And James even goes so far to say that God gives generously to the one who asks for wisdom. Solomon's an example of that. But receiving the wisdom that God gives to you is not like the end of the line. Like then there's the, the faith to actually walk out the wisdom. That's where Solomon dropped the ball. He's like, I got all the, I've got the most wisdom that any human has ever had up until this point, and I'm not going to listen to half of it. But wisdom is attainable. I think um, I'm, I'm kind of cynical by nature. I'm a pessimist uh, of sorts. And so there's times where I look at my life and I, I'm, not, I'm not doing right. Like this, I keep making these choices. And for me, it's, it's waking up, like, which sounds, yeah, sounds silly. But like I really struggle to get out of bed in the morning. And I always have. And so there's a, a, a thought in me of like, 
I'm, I'm never going to do well at getting up. I'm not a morning person, and like I'm always going to just hate the world. That's always going to be my first thought when I, when I become conscious. And, and there's a defeatist attitude that I tend to carry with me. But, but see, I see here that wisdom is calling to us to let us know that she is there for us with open arms and is attainable. We don't have to continue to make the bad choices that we've always made. We can make a different choice. We can embrace wisdom and walk in a different way. And I think, like, if I can give you any kind of hope at all, it's that we can make a different choice. And that she's there. What areas of our life have we surrendered? There's there's no hope. Like, I don't care what the right thing was. Like, I missed that boat a long time ago. That thing owns me now. And I'll never never have victory over it. That relationship's just broken beyond repair. It's never going to work right. And I just, it's, it's over. Or I, that, that sin, like I just can't, like there's no way that I can navigate the temptation. The temptation gets me every time. And I know the, the temptation isn't the sin, but I get there and then I'm like, oh, well, here we go. I guess I'm walking down that road again. I've done this before and I guess I'll do it again forever and ever perpetually. What areas have we surrendered to folly? And when you hear that wisdom is attainable, Let's look at verse 22. Wisdom still speaking. She's still got the mic. The Lord, Yahweh, possessed me at the beginning of his work. This first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea its limits so that the waters might not transgress with his command when he marked out the foundations of the earth when I then I was beside him like a master workman and I was daily his delight rejoicing before him always rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of men wisdom was created by God in order to create the world the world is not as it should be, but, but, but God made it to work a certain way, and we all are familiar that everything is, is kind of broken, but he's got the whole world in his hands. Like He, he made it to work in a certain way, and, and he made wisdom, this first principle, before he started making the, the, the creation that we live in. And you're like, why are you splitting hairs there, Mike? What, what does it matter? There's, there's, and I think I've addressed this indirectly maybe in other places, but like there's, there's a, a thought in our, in our culture, maybe it's whispers in our head too, that like if these bad things happen, then God must not be good or he can't be trusted. And we tend to think, or the assumption under there is like, I can tell what is good better than what God can tell is what is good. And if God's not being good according to my standard of goodness, then God cannot be good. But any, any, any goodness that we find in creation stems from him. Like he, he made goodness by which to make the world. God is himself our highest standard. Like he's, he's the one that made the, everything. He's the one who gets to make the rules. He made the rules to make the rules. Like 
He invented the game, and we play by his rules. And when we don't play by his rules, and things get broken, and people get hurt, and we're mad at him for it. It's like, you made the rules, you didn't play by him. There's not a higher standard than God by which God can be measured by. And I say it, but I know that adopting that and understanding that and reading some of the stories of how God has worked in the world, you're like, God, like it, you're, it seems like you're off the, off the rails here. What are you doing? And yet, there isn't a higher standard by which we can judge him by. And if there's something that seems confusing to us, the error is probably in my understanding of him, not in his character and his being. If there's any order in the world, if there's any goodness, if there's any genuine love, it stems from him and his character. Now, there, there's not an excuse. Like, this isn't to say, like, okay, well, there's evil and brokenness, and it doesn't make sense to us, but God says it's good, so it must be good. Like, God doesn't say evil is good. He says, I am actually coming to, to fix this. And not only am I coming to fix this, I will take the personal cost upon myself and lay down my son so that I can rectify everything that's broken in the world. Like, I will, I will, uh, I will fix this at my own expense. God is fixing what's broken and all the evil that is in the world. But Jesus is our only hope for life on earth and life after earth. But do we trust that Jesus is correcting all that's broken in the world? When the static is so fuzzy and the voices are so loud and the, the notifications are, so, are still coming, and do we trust that Jesus is correcting that all that is broken in the world? Or are we suspicious? Seems like you're being pretty lax right now. What are you up to? Don't you know what you're supposed to be doing? And if I was there to give Jesus advice on like where the ocean should stop, then, then maybe, perhaps, he should listen to my estimation of whether or not he's doing what's right. Um, I wasn't there. And I don't really understand it entirely. So what I'm left with is I can neither trust him or I can not. Do we trust that Jesus is correcting all that's broken in the world? And more so, let's, let's zero in. Do we trust that Jesus is correcting all that's broken in our heart? Um, G.K. Chesterton is an English author uh, in the UK. And it was about the time of World War II. Uh, or toward the beginning or towards the end, I don't remember. This, I didn't research this. It was off the top of my head. Um, and uh, this newspaper was, was going to all these like thinkers and, thinking, and asking them to answer this question, what is wrong in the world? So think about what's going on in World War II. Like that era, what are the things that are wrong in the world? Like I can think of a couple of things that I would put on the list. And so there are these essays that all of these like world-renowned like scholarly people have put together about these are the problems that are in the world, and they're, and they're extensive. And, and, and G.K. Chesterton, who's a follower of Jesus, um, answers, he, he sends back one sentence. Not even a sentence, not even a proper sentence. What's wrong in the world? I am. The systems reflect my heart. The things that are broken reflect things that are in me. Do we trust that Jesus is correcting all that is broken in our heart? 
Now, now there's a significant shift in the picture here that I want you to kick because we've got the father passing passing the microphone to wisdom. And so wisdom is now talking. And for all of these eight chapters, um, we have had this picture of a father trying to bestow this wisdom on the son. But here we see that it's not the father, uh, Solomon, trying to pass on to his son David's wisdom. Like that's the, We're not looking at the Bible characters. If there's any wisdom contained in these verses at all, we should be hearing them as though we're sitting at the feet of Jesus and he is instructing us. And he is the one who's calling out. And he is the one that is pointing to the way of life. So we trust in God always, every, any, uh, trusting God always and in everything. Do we look to our creator to understand our place in his creation? Or do we think, I've got a pretty good picture of where I fit? Verse 32, and now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Now listen. Now listen, like all of this stuff, like I was there, I was there when God was figuring out like how the oceans were going to work and like the Gulf Stream thing that it took you guys up until World War II to figure out even existed. Like I was there when I designed that and put it into being, okay? So like, just listen. Can you, can you just listen? Can you listen? Can you hear me now? And she's polarizing. She says, there's not, there's not room for sitting on the fence when you're talking about me, which I'm kind of offended by because as a millennial, I don't like it when you put me in a category. But like here, she's like, if you don't love me, you hate me. And if you hate me, then you're going to die. Like this, that's what it is. I'm like, okay, like coming on a little strong here. But she set her table. She built her house. House with seven pillars, which is kind of impressive. Like it's not, it's not nothing. She slaughtered her beast. She's making a feast. She's mixed her wine, and she's sent out, you know, advertisers to draw you in. Hey, come here. Come and listen. Come and 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 feast here. The table is set, and wisdom intends to be generous with us if we will invest time with her. Now. Here's the thing, like, there's a lot of shiny things in the world to, to captivate our attention. Like, there's a lot of static. And, like, how are we going to tune into this signal? There's a lot of things that are, are, are shinier that I want to pay attention to. Thrills and things to be entertained by, but thrills can kill. And Jesus gives life to intimacy. So what does it look like to live an intimate life with Jesus? Like, I think this is really, really interesting. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates and waiting beside my doors. Um, 
we got a bad opinion of like squatters and like loitering in general. It makes us uncomfortable when people are just hanging out and they don't have somewhere to be. But wisdom wants to walk out of her house in the morning and have a bunch of people just hanging out in her front porch. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. I want you to be trespassing. Park yourself there. How often? Or day? Walking with Jesus is carving a steady rhythm out of the world's noisy chaos. Walking with wisdom is carving work, a steady rhythm out of the world's noisy chaos. A daily bread, we pray together. In fact, we didn't. (laughs) Uh, Let's pause. Forgive me. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name and your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's a daily bread. So you've got chapters one through nine of Proverbs, which are kind of extend, it's this extended conversation. And they're, they're not necessarily in a logical, like to our mind, a logical order. It makes sense if you're a rabbi. Um, but then you've got the block of tweets from chapters 10 to chapter 29. And then it closes again in chapters 30 and 31 with some more extended talks um, from some different authors, um, which is super, super, duper interesting. But I, I, we're done here. Like, this is it. We're going to get through chapter 9 today, and that's the end of this series. We're going to move on. We're going to talk about Ephesians. So, but there's a, there's a lot still here. Like, my, the goal of this series is not to give you a, a full exposition of the book of Proverbs. The goal of this series is to put some salt in your oats so that you might become thirsty for wisdom. And so the encouragement from this point at the conclusion is for you to continue on, to spend time on the front porch with wisdom, loitering with her, hearing the voice of Jesus, wrestling with the things that are confusing. Now, I'm not real smart, and I can't keep track of stuff, but there's this cool thing called a calendar, um, and it gives a different day for every day of the week. So if you pull up, like I've got it on my watch, so today is September 11th. We're kind of familiar with that. Um, there are 31 chapters in Proverbs. And so if you need a place to like sit down with wisdom, like, okay, well, it's the 11th. Maybe I'll go to chapter 11. Well, I, I missed a couple of days. I don't know where I was supposed to be. Like, oh, well, it's the 21st. Maybe I'll do... Proverbs 21, and I'll just read that a couple of times. But here's the thing. I went to school, which, for better or for worse, I went to school, and they taught me how to read, which is fine, and it's helpful, but, but that's not actually how I learn. So, like, 
I can read a thing like four or five times if I have the like discipline to read it. Because once I get through chapter, like reading it twice, it's like labor to try to read it again. Like I already read this, I already read this, I already read this. But I have found that actually I'm more edified by scripture and by Proverbs in particular. Not if I read it, but if I put it on repeat and I listen to it. And somebody else listens and that somebody else is reading it to me. So if I'm mowing the grass or if I'm pulling weeds or if I'm, you know, whatever it is that you do that, like, makes your brain go off. Like, if you put in there this signal in all the static, like, I suspect that Jesus will begin to bring life in. I can't unpack all of the complexities of the text for you. Like, Sunday morning is not all there is. I say it every week. Like, this is the beginning of a conversation for us to walk out through the rest of the week. I can't, I don't have the energy to do this every day. We do it once a week. So, if we are going to be walking with Jesus together, we take some responsibility for showing up and loitering outside his door. Walking with Jesus is is carving a steady rhythm out of the world's noisy chaos. Verse 7. This is going to sound like we're coming out of left field. I'll circle back in and it'll make some sense. Verse 7. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat at the highest places of town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So our trust in God defines every other relationship, and the invitation is open. It's an open invitation, which is, is helpful to some of us, and is kind of like, well, if anybody can get in here, like, why would I spend my time there? I'm better than that. So the invitation is open, but that means that everybody chooses their own way. Like, Lady Wisdom doesn't give wiggle room for gray areas. Says, you're either with me or you're against me. You either love me or you hate me. You're either living or you're dying. And if you're living, you're like, okay, cool. Like, I'm living. I'm, I'm, I'm making right choices. I'm living a, a wise life. My family is ordered. My work is ordered. Like, I've got everything kept up and, and kind of tidy. And she says, cool, well, you're not done yet. The, the, the wise will or give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Like, where does it end? Like, I don't know. Like, perfect understanding of all of creation. Like, there's some kind of, I don't, I don't know if you start glowing at that point. Like, but there comes a point, like, I don't know that there comes a point where we have a complete uh, corner on wisdom. And so, the encouragement is to continue to walk with her. There's another place in Proverbs, we read it, and I I don't know that we spent a ton of time on it because I knew it was going to get back here, but in Proverbs chapter 1 and verses 24 through 23 is another place where where, um, 
where the writer is describing wisdom as crawling in the streets, and she's kind of she's kind of nasty. Actually, I'm going to read it because I'm not going to do uh, I'm not going to do it justice. She's kind of nasty in chapter one, and maybe that's why I didn't spend a lot of time with it because she sounds kind of mean. But I think like I think we would do well to listen to what Lady Wisdom, this this glorious like system by which God created the earth by things that she says in verse 24. Um, She's given this warning of like, follow me and live or don't follow me and die. And then she says, well, because I have called and you have refused to listen, uh, stretched out my hand and no one has heeded because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity and I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They'll seek me diligently and will not find me because they've hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. If you hear the voice of wisdom, then listen now. The hard thing, and I don't know if this is just a parenting principle or just a human principle, but like, like it's hard to give kids the tools they need before they need them. Like they don't think they need them until they need them, and when they need them, it's probably too late to get them. Do you, parents know what I'm saying. If we, if we read chapters uh, 5 through 7 like we did last time as, as warning against adultery, and we go, well, I'm not tempted by adultery. I don't have to pay any attention to any of this. Like, well, then you, like you're, you're going to miss it. If, if you're in the temptation, then you need it, but, but you probably need the skills before you get to the thing, and you should probably know the red flags before you end up in the situation where they're waving in your face. Like, what do I do with this? I don't know. And so wisdom is like, hey, walk with me before you know you need me. I promise you the investment is better than gold or silver. Bad company leads us down a wrong path, but Jesus offers good company to journey together with. We see here a contrast to Lady Wisdom. She's been personified, we've been seeing, but we see folly and our bad choices personified as Lady Folly here at the end of this. Where lust is give me everything that I want and love is let me give you what you need. Lady Folly's call sounds identical in some, in some senses. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Whoever lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Where Lady Wisdom is generous and shares from her wealth Folly shares gains from exploiting others. Stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. If it's a little bit dangerous, it's better. And she's loud. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat at the highest places in town. She's loud. You go, Mike, it's not... It's not like that. Like, that's not actually how it goes. She's the static. She's the ads that you don't want to see, the pop-ups that you can't get rid of. The next video already playing before you're finished with the last one. We're going to be shaped... But I think the encouragement is that we get to choose whom we are shaped by. We loiter. Uh, take a look at your, your digital well-being, whatever that is on your phone. Like, we're going to loiter somewhere. 
You've got hours on your screen. But the choice is whose house are we going to loiter at? Because walking with Jesus is carving out a steady rhythm from the world's noisy chaos. It's a choice we have to make. But the incredible thing is, is that he, he gives us the choice and he promises to walk with us in it. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Like this age is jacked up, but Jesus says, I'm going to be there right up to the end. And it's fascinating to me. I, I, I want to close with, I think I, I think I made some slides. If you need to read, it, read along. Um, this is out of Isaiah chapter 11, um, which is a, a, a passage that's written after Proverbs, but it's pointing hundreds of years uh, past itself. It's looking at the future, even the future for us. It's trying to describe a time when Messiah, God's chosen one, the king that's set to rule over all creation the right way, when he shows up and he establishes his kingdom and he sets everything that's broken in the world to be right. Like this is a painting of what that looks like. There shall come forth from the shoot, uh, from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. So a tree that was cut down, it's sprouting out again. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked." Righteousness shall be, his, shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And that in that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of whom shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. God's going to set it right. Like, I know the world doesn't work the way that it's supposed to work. But the only hope that I have to continue to point you back to this wisdom and trying to walk in that way is that there's going to come a time where Jesus comes back and he does set it right. There's, there, there's not a hope for, for the broken system. or the, the hope for the broken system is that it's being redeemed. And that when the king comes back, it's all going to be put right. And we don't have to worry about the safety of our kids we don't have to worry about nature working against us. And that's all I got. Like, why would I encourage you to carve out a steady rhythm in the midst of the world's noise? Because it's practice. Practice for when everything's right again. Walking with Jesus is carving a steady rhythm out of the world's noisy chaos. Would you pray together with me? Almighty God, we can't do it alone. Lord, if you hadn't come and told us, we wouldn't even know that things are not the way they're supposed to be. 
And Lord, just like a, a deaf person hearing for the first time and, and us not being able to distinguish which noises are the ones that are most important, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to tune into your voice, to trust you when you say, this way will give you life. Would you help us not to be distracted by the pleasures of this world, but to be fixated on walking steady with you. Not because you're a killjoy and you don't want us to be happy, but because you want us to have true life. Every good gift we have comes from you, and we trust you with that. So would you give us the faith to trust you when we don't understand the things you're saying? Would you help us to follow you well? To love our neighbor as ourself and to love you most of all with all of our thinking, with all of our acting, with all of our living. It's in your name we pray. Amen.